Breastfeeding has many benefits for the whole family, including speeding mom's recovery and keeping baby healthy. The family birthplace at Mary Washington and Stafford Hospitals has certified lactation consultants on staff 365 days a year to help our new moms get started on their breastfeeding journey. We sat down with two of our lactation consultants to learn more about the benefits of breastfeeding and where moms can go for help and support. My name is Valerie Lemelin, and I am a nurse lactation consultant at um, Mary Washington Hospital in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I have been working at this hospital for 13 years, and I've been working as a lactation consultant for 12. I had a couple of years, two or three years of mother baby nursing experience before I switched over to full-time lactation. Um, my name's Donna Roll. I am a lactation consultant also, and I work at Stafford Hospital. Um, I have been taking care of moms and babies since the early 80s, and I've been a lactation consultant just since officially since 2015, but I've done a lot of breastfeeding support throughout my years of nursing with the moms and babies too. Can you tell me what drew you into this field? What was it about breastfeeding that was so important that you felt like you needed to make this your life's work? That's a really good question. There are so many um, different reasons that people go into uh, breastfeeding uh, for their babies and also for the lactation consultants. But I, um, when I first started, had, had my first child, I didn't, I thought, well, okay, I'll breastfeed because I know it's good for the baby and really didn't have much support. But I said, I'll do it for six weeks. But then I had to go back to work. And then I got to six weeks and I thought, well, why, why would I stop now? It's so easy. <laughs> and it just kind of, my little goals kept getting farther and farther out. And I just, as I worked on the floor with the moms and babies postpartum, I saw that it really was a need. A lot of the nurses would come to me and say, hey, can you help me with this lady? She's having a hard time getting the baby on. And I just, people would kind of keep coming to me. And I really enjoyed that, to see the mom's um, look on her face when the baby's on the breast, sucking, and she's not in pain. It's just a, a wonderful thing. And of course, just to encourage this breastfeeding is uh, the best thing for your baby. So in order to meet the goals that they have, we want them to be comfortable. Um, I had breastfed my four children and had a, and looking back, had a relatively easy time with it. And so it was a positive experience for me. So when I started working, I remember starting to work with moms and babies thinking to myself, I know how to breastfeed. I don't really know how to help somebody do it. And then slowly you learn from your peers and you start to get a little more comfortable with it. And I feel like the reason I love what I do has evolved over the years. So I think initially my purpose was I mean, more from a technical point of view of learning how to get a baby latched. And, and at this point in my life, it's far more about the emotional aspect of the mom that's struggling um, because this journey can go so many different directions that I really, um, my support is 
for the mom in whatever her journey is, whatever her goals are. I want to be able to support her so that she can feel like she can be pleased in however things turn out with her child, that she can have the support, she can have the affirmation for what her journey is um, because it can go, there's a lot, of, lot more peer pressure to do things the perfect way nowadays in parenting than it was when I was doing this. So, so I, I guess that's my goal. That's where I take my satisfaction is really helping a mom um, meet whatever her goals are and, and keeping mom and baby safe. So you both talked about how important breastfeeding is. Can you go into a little bit more detail about that? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, just first of all, the American Academy of Pediatrics actually recommends exclusive breastfeeding for six months and to continue breastfeeding for the year with introducing new foods. And the World Health Organization actually has the same six month um, statement, but then they include it all the way to two years. So um, the reason they do this is because they see the benefits that so many benefits of breastfeeding are available. There is for a baby, they are finding that it really lowers the risks of uh, upper respiratory infections, intestinal infections. Recently, they're finding that it actually can reduce the risk for SIDS the sudden infant death syndrome, um, but it definitely reduced the risk for allergies, and asthma. And another thing that they're finding is because a baby paces themselves at the breast and um, the food is easy to digest, they actually have seen it lower the risk of obesity, which has become a big problem in the United States recently. But it's also, um, you'll hear people say, well, it'll make my child smarter. Well. In studies that they've done, it has actually points on an IQ chart can show a difference being elevated higher if you breastfed. But there are also benefits for the mother. And we don't always think about that with breastfeeding, but there's a tremendous bond that is hard to explain until you've actually breastfed a baby. But it it's in the science, they're finding that all the hormones that go into in producing that milk are produced as the baby is at the breast or skin to skin. They can actually get back to their pre-pregnancy weight faster. They're finding that the women after delivery, their bleeding is less because the hormones that are pushing that milk out are actually contracting the uterus also, but they're also finding that it decreases the risks of cancer in the moms, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and they're really seeing it related to the length of time that a mom breastfeeds. The longer she breastfeeds, it lowers the risk of her getting these cancers too. And of course, there's the big one, I mean, it's cheap. It doesn't cost a thing. <laughs> so it really, it, it doesn't um, cost a thing. And you do uh, have all of these other benefits that combine, you're not producing any waste products, you're not getting the landfills filled with any plastics and all that kind of stuff either. So, so many benefits. There are plenty more, but that's just a short little list of them. Valerie, do you have any tips for new moms that 
maybe they can take even before delivery to help set themselves up for a good breastfeeding journey? I think one of the biggest things you can do to prepare is to read a good breastfeeding book or take a class on online nowadays because of COVID. There's a lot of a lot of information around to prepare yourself for what the norms are. Um, and what I mean by that is one of the questions we hear daily multiple times is, how do I know the baby's getting anything? We don't tend to hear that question from the moms that have taken a breastfeeding class because they're wanting help with latching the baby. They realize that the focus is more about how can we have good positioning to facilitate getting the baby to be able to latch easily. Um, so I think sometimes when you're able to take a class to have a basic understanding of the biology of milk production, you have a better understanding that we don't give birth and then have ounces. Um, you have a better understanding of maybe newborn behavior and positioning, because although you can look at a book or you can look at a YouTube video, positioning and latch is going to be largely individualized based on what is your breast size, what is your baby's capability, what is the, there's many factors in the ease or not ease of latch, and that is priority number one in the first 24 hours is learning how to, how to find the position and how to be comfortable with getting the baby latched on. So I think I have noticed over the years a definite difference in people that are prepared with a class when they come in, they just do, do not have that same deer in the headlights look. Now that we have the Affordable Care Act, most people are coming with a pump even or have purchased one already. So during the pregnancy is a good time to consider which type of pump is gonna best meet your needs because there's a lot of selling points on pumps, but knowing that the pump is effective at milk removal is the number one Thing that you really need to focus on, not how many bells and whistles and how many pieces come with it. It's, is it an effective pump? And so we can certainly discuss what a mom's needs are and give her an idea about which ones might best serve for what she's doing. Do all moms need pumps? What about a mom who's planning to spend the first six months at home with her baby? Is it still a good idea to have a pump? <laughs> Actually, no, because I never used a breast pump with nursing four children other than maybe a couple random times with a hand pump. So that is true. You do not need one. But what would we need one for in the beginning? It could be that if you're having a baby that's having difficulty latching and you want to preserve your milk supply, you're going to need a pump. Um, so you can't predict that prior. So if you have the opportunity to get a pump through your insurance, it's certainly worth pursuing and knowing when they permit you to get it, because sometimes some insurances you can't get it until you deliver. And then if you're in trouble with a baby that's having any difficulty or if you have a NICU experience, then you're gonna need one quickly. And so that's, it's certainly worth pursuing it. But the short answer to your question is no, not everybody needs to pump. If you would like your baby to take a bottle of your express milk, you can do that really with a hand pump. But if you can get a double electric pump through your insurance, then it's probably worth pursuing that. You want to add anything, Donna? If you are planning to um, go back to work and continue breastfeeding when you go back to work, having a double electric pump is definitely helpful to keep your supply up and to be more efficient when you're on your break at work. So the Internet, of course, is filled with lots of information about breastfeeding. Some of it's probably helpful, some of it's probably not helpful, probably some of it is mom shaming. It runs the gamut. So why is it important that when a mom is searching for information that she go to reputable sites or really helpful 
clinical areas to get information? Why should she maybe try to stay away from those other kinds of websites? That is so important to speak to moms, especially those that are pregnant and thinking about breastfeeding as they go and they're searching for that kind of support. Um, there is evidence-based practice that we use in the hospital for medical things, but there's also been studies on breastfeeding and we've learned so much more about the science of it that we're finding ways that are better than others to get your milk supply started. So there are evidence-based websites on the internet. So looking for those can be challenging because there are just as many, if not more, websites that are mom-based and depending on her experience with breastfeeding, she's gonna have a different slant. So really sticking with the evidence-based websites, and there are some really good ones. The American Academy of Pediatrics has a really good information about breastfeeding on there. You can go to the CDC website. They have a whole section on breastfeeding where they can um, go and they show positions and they go through really from the time your baby's born until weaning, they'll go through all of that. La Leche League is a, a really good support in our country, and it's in different cities. They have one in Fredericksburg here that meets, but they also have a website, and it has really good evidence-based information also. One of the websites I like to tell moms about is kellymom.com, K-E-L-L-Y-M-O-M.com. And it's because it's so simple, it's just got a little search bar. You plug in whatever problems you're having or questions, and it pulls up article after article, and they are evidence-based articles. So you can get a lot of good information that way. If you like to learn by videos, the Stanford School of Medicine has incredible breastfeeding videos that are wonderful. In fact, the Dr. Morton, who um, is in most of those videos, she actually has another website that's recent. It's called First Droplets, and it has a lot of that um, also. So when we send our moms home, we give them a list of evidence-based websites. But for those that are haven't delivered yet, it's really important to search those out. I also agree with the um, Stanford's website is great. Um, the First Droplets is a really excellent video series with Jane Morton that is really good to watch before you have the baby because it does have information regarding the term baby and kind of the first few hours and maybe first few days. There is also a section there if your baby is going to be born early for whatever reason, it does discuss about how to handle the NICU situation. There's another article that I think is, has been really helpful. New York Times has a parenting column. If you search first two weeks of breastfeeding, there's an article that pops up and it kind of describes a really good review or overview of what it's like in the first two weeks. Because usually if you can get through the first two or three weeks, things are starting to smooth out a little bit. Are there any breastfeeding myths that we can bust here in our podcast? <laughs> There are definitely still some myths out there. <laughs> I don't know about you, Valerie, but I still hear 
the common one of, oh, she's got large breasts. She must make a lot of milk or she can't make milk because she has small breasts. And it really does not matter what size breasts you have. You can breastfeed. It's the mammary tissue that is inside the breast, not so much the adipose tissue. So that one I hear a lot. We get a lot of questions about, can I drink coffee? Can I drink can I have a glass of wine as they hang their head in shame asking that question? <laughs> so, we, Or the foods, can I, you know, I know there's certain foods that I'm supposed to avoid. And so you can kind of review what the latest evidence is as far as um, alcohol and breastfeeding, because that's something that's constantly kind of evolving based on what your mother told you and, and what we currently know. But coffee is fine, you know, two or three cups a day even. And there are many people in many different cultures that have all sorts of different kinds of foods and they're not worried about spicy foods or they're not worried about curry. You know, they're, to be honest, I think we are so unused to what newer, normal newborn behavior is like that we're trying to find a reason. So we feel like the things that we can control, if I can just eliminate this food, this baby will be better. Babies are just babies and they fuss and want to be held a lot and they cry because they're newborns. But if we don't really have an understanding, again, that's something where, you know, when you emphasize, I emphasize to the moms all the time, you think you're learning about breastfeeding with your new baby in your arms, but really what you're learning about is a newborn. And how does a baby act? And what things make this baby stop crying or start, you know? So a lot of that, I think in our culture, we just don't have a true understanding of what the normal newborn behavior is. I mean, how many times do we hear, is your baby a good baby? Well, what's a good baby? Right. One that just lays there and, you know, I'll wait and see you in three hours, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a myth that every mother can make enough milk. You know, you've got that end of the spectrum, too. And so there's nothing that we're going to know regarding a mom's full supply in the hospital in their two or three day stay here. Yeah, the myth that it's just easy or natural. So that might be one of the problems that, that a new mom might experience is that she doesn't make enough milk. What are some other issues that, that moms struggle with when they are just starting to breastfeed? So I think one of the big things that I run across in the first 24 to 48 hours after a baby is born is the concern that the baby is not getting anything. Um, moms that have breastfed before will feel a fullness in their breasts um, and an emptiness after with later feedings. But the colostrum is a small amount, very rich and very good, perfect for the baby, but it doesn't give that heaviness to the breast. And so ones that have breastfed before will come in and say, I don't have any milk yet because um, they don't feel it. And then New moms who've never breastfed before are expecting it to be there like right after delivery. And it's not. Now, the whole process of uh, hormone changes and everything after the placenta delivers does begin. But it's there and you have lots of colostrum that is perfect for your baby. And as the baby goes to the breast, then they take that out and your body makes more. So I think probably 90% of the moms that I talk to in the hospital need to be reassured that they have something right now. They don't have an empty breast. I think the biggest challenge initially is learning how to latch your baby because we each, to be honest, we each have our own 
anatomy. We each have our own baby. And there's a lot of concern, especially in first-time moms, about feeling like they're going to smother the baby or how's the baby supposed to breathe. And you have to, you have to really be confident about pulling the baby on deeply so that the baby can feel the breast tissue to start that suckle reflex. So if you're hesitant about that, sometimes it can be, it can be really challenging for the baby to, to feel it, to start to latch. And it's just very, very common for moms to be anxious about the breathing. They're anxious about the milk supply and then painful latching. If they don't, we try to encourage people to call for help because it's Sometimes latching can feel like it takes three hands just at the beginning while you're trying to keep the baby's hands out of the way. And if they call for help, it's going to be a lot easier to get the baby on deeply, which of course then reduces the um, pain that you might feel at when the baby's first latching. So all of these things kind of come into play, which is why sometimes having, a, having the extra support when you come in to deliver and being courageous about asking for it instead of feeling... I feel like sometimes moms are sort of like, well, I got to learn how to do this on my own because I got to go home and nobody's coming with me instead of kind of seeking the help to get better at it and build your confidence while you're here. And then you go out the door, at least knowing how to latch a little bit better when you've gotten help. Also, there's a concern of moms feeling like they have to do it perfectly. And I think that comes a little bit from the website where, you know, they'll get on and they'll see, oh, it has to be this way. This is what I have to do. Well, my baby's not doing it. And it really builds anxiety in our moms. And then that is a vicious cycle. Um, Babies can sense when moms are uptight or worried and they start crying. And then moms get more concerned because they're crying. It just really to be able to help these moms to relax and to trust her body in those first 24 hours in the hospital is so important. She's just had a baby. She's lost, you know, a lot of energy, sleep, fluids, all that kind of stuff. And she needs to replenish, but she needs to keep her baby with her and and respond to those cues too. And relaxing and trusting your ability as a mom for a first time mom is challenging. So as lactation consultants, we spend a lot of our time just encouraging and supporting the mother at the bedside. I think a lot of moms are assuming that everybody else is doing much better than I am, mm-hmm. you know, because we feed ourselves that stuff. And so I think a lot of times if, if they could all be in a ward and watching each other, <laughs> which is really the way it is in many countries, you know, that's that's what's different in our country is we don't have the, the generational support sometimes. And we live in a culture that's a little uptight about seeing breastfeeding in public sometimes. So the first time that somebody is breastfeeding, sometimes it's often or that she sees somebody breastfeeding. It's her. She's doing it herself. And you haven't really seen um seeing how people do or to to gain your own level of comfort with it if you're learning a new skill and i think the thing that's happening with people that this is their second or third child they're not afraid of the baby anymore and they know it can get better where the first time mom is kind of sort of just learning about everything and you're afraid and you're tired and this crying baby is suddenly somebody you're responsible for and you don't know what you're doing and you know Certain personalities can kind of live with that and other personalities are putting a lot of pressure on themselves. So sometimes it's just hard in that way. So you've talked a little bit about what a new mom might be feeling the first 
you know, day or two that she's in the hospital. Maybe she's having trouble getting the baby latching on, or maybe she's just really nervous and she's never done this before. She's never even held a newborn before. She's on her way home. She doesn't have mom around to help her, doesn't have older sisters to help her. She's really scared. She doesn't know if this thing is going to come together or not. What kind of resources does she have or what kind of tips might you have for this new mom who is heading home who is just really scared and doesn't know where to go? Oh, I absolutely want her to reach out. It's so important to reach out and find a lactation consultant um, who can either come to your home or see you at an outpatient clinic or to just call because this is all new stuff and each mom and baby are different. So when you have contact with a lactation consultant, we are looking at you and your baby, your whole family situation, and really your goals and you know trying to make the best fit for you. Yeah, we have a lot of training and a lot of science in the back of our minds of how to do certain things. But the support is so important. And so when we send moms home, we give them a list of people that they can contact and phone numbers and things like that. So it's important that she reaches out. Do not have them just stay at home and tough it out. You need that support, either a family member who's had a really good experience with breastfeeding, friends who have, they've got, we've got support groups, we've got lots of stuff that is available but if you don't reach out we don't know that you need that help some of the things that we're looking at when we're approaching discharge time for a mom um, is how well the baby is latching how well the baby is staying awake and because some of the factors that can happen in the hospital setting is you might have had a baby that's needed to go to the NICU you might have had a baby that's needed to have their blood sugar monitored Um, you might have an early baby that's not quite up to speed as far as being able to latch well. And so some of what we're doing is to create a plan, to um, a feeding plan and a pumping plan to help make sure your supply stays stable and then make sure that the baby stays safe. And then it's about the resources of being able to have that con- that constantly evolving, changing situation in that first week or two so that you'll know where to seek out support. And I, my suggestion would be definitely to seek help early rather than kind of suffering almost or or just being overwhelmed sometimes the earlier you seek help the quicker things will turn around or at least get readjusted to a plan that's going to fit your needs so i can't remember which one of you mentioned it earlier you talked about skin to skin and valerie i think you talked about while you're breastfeeding you're really getting to know your baby you're you're getting to um understand their cues and their cries and what makes them happy and what makes them content. So talk to me a little bit about this skin to skin thing and why it's so important. Well, the skin to skin is really um, after delivery, they are finding the first couple hours are so important for the baby to get as close to mom as possible, really. And so skin to skin is putting your baby up on your body with maybe a diaper, but that doesn't even have to be on, but up between your breasts, you put the baby there, no clothing between you, and that baby is able to hear your heartbeat again, hears your breathing, and you are able to snuggle in with that baby. They're finding with studies now 
But that skin to skin is very important. It helps the baby to acclimate to the world. It's going to help regulate their temperature because mom's going to have a blanket over top of both mom and baby that her body will heat up if the baby cools and will cool down for the baby if the baby gets too warm. But it also helps in their breathing. You got to remember this baby's doing a lot of new stuff all of a sudden, but by being skin to skin, they find it really helps with their breathing and their acclimating that way. But they also have innate reflexes that really come out when they are skin to skin with mom. Instead of being swaddled and held in a blanket and all you see is their little face, they get there on their tummy and they can actually use their arms and their legs. They can use their sense of smell is really heightened and they can find the breast all by themselves. It's been shown. I've seen it in action and it takes time, which is hard to do sometimes in a hospital, but the babies have the ability to get to the breast with very little help by just having those reflexes and the skin to skin really brings that out. Is it only immediately after delivery, Donna, or is this something that a mom can continue to do or the dad could do? Yeah, dads can do it too. There's no time limit on skin to skin. They find, especially in the the NICUs and uh, things like that, that they do what we call kangaroo care, which is skin to skin with these tiny little babies. One of my colleagues does a lot of studying and um, encouragement of skin to skin. And a couple of the points that are being encouraged now is they're saying there's studies that have shown if a mom has or parents spend three hours a day skin to skin with a baby and that doesn't have to be all at one time it can be done in different times of the day um, that can really help to babies grow faster this has been in the NICU proven babies can grow faster babies stay much more stable their um, temperatures and respiratory rate and um, heart rate all get more stable. And they're able to exhibit the cues sooner than if they're tightly swallowed in the crib. Some babies are determined they're gonna be held a lot or do skin to skin because they're just gonna cry unless you do. <laughs> so those are, those are the babies that are directing you to do. So we talked a little bit at the beginning about breast pumps. Um, and one of you or both of you alluded to going back to work. So let's talk specifically about working moms who may be a little concerned about how am I going to be able to breastfeed my baby and go back to work at six weeks. What kind of tips might you have for a working mom about how do you approach your boss about asking for a quiet place to go pump? And what about milk storage? And how do you keep that separate in a fridge and transport it safely home and those kinds of things? We do get asked a lot, um, when should I start pumping? You know, that's probably much, much more common as a question, really, since the Affordable Care Act came into play, because then a lot of people, years ago, people didn't have a pump automatically. They were going to get one later uh, because they had to pay for it or they got one with their shower. So now people come in here with pumps a lot of times and ask, when do I start pumping? I like how one of my colleagues puts it, when you're ready to add something to your day. (laughs) (laughs) So... Pumping for sure is important if you have a baby that's struggling with breastfeeding and not latching or if you have a NICU situation. But in the average situation where you're a mom that's returning to work in six to 12 weeks, 
you can start pumping a few weeks before you go back to work. Um, you're going to need to introduce a bottle at some point. We do get those phone calls sometimes because they get in trouble where they're working on their freezer stash, but they forget they should be giving their baby a bottle once in a while. So those are um, things to think about. And we will review that with moms before they go home if they have questions about it. But generally, if they start pumping at three weeks, four weeks, and then introduce that first bottle, then anytime the baby's having a bottle, then they're pumping during that missed feeding, and that will give them their stash. And I usually encourage people to consider getting a hands-free bra if they've got a, a situation where they have to pump a lot because that's you just have a little bit more freedom when you're doing that. But the CDC has the store. The current storage recommendations are four hours at room temperature, four days in the fridge, uh, six to 12 months in the freezer, depending on the type of freezer. The Virginia also has um, a website that has laws for breastfeeding and protecting moms, one, out in public, just in general. They're, they cannot be arrested for indecent exposure in the state of Virginia for breastfeeding, and they are allowed to breastfeed anywhere that they are legally allowed to be and so in a public environment when it comes to work there are laws that will protect her also if they if she works in a company that has 50 or more employees that employer is required to provide a place that is not a bathroom that has a, an outlet so that she can pump some privacy, ideally a sink, but I don't think that is in the law. And break times. So they don't have to pay for your break time if you have to take more than the allotted break time. But by law, moms are allowed to take that time to pump for when her baby would normally be feeding and then um, having a place to supply it. Now, talking to your employer before you have the baby and making sure that you guys are seeing eye to eye on this and letting them know you want to breastfeed. Hey, look at the benefits of breastfeeding. It lowers the chance of my child being sick. So I'm not going to be gone as much because if my baby gets sick, I need to stay home. But I'm actually going to be able to be at work more often if I can continue to breastfeed. Whether you're a working mom, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a work-from-home mom, you may find yourself struggling some days, and you may find yourself having really great days other days, whether that's just from having a newborn at home and trying to figure out a sleep schedule, or, or whether that's having challenges with breastfeeding. Do you guys have any self-care tips for new moms? Absolutely. Um, it's really important for mom to be taken care of. For babies to get the amount of milk that they need, a mom needs to be able to be taken care of. She needs to eat right. She needs to drink plenty, but she needs to relax. And to do that, she can't do that if she's worried about getting dinner ready and, and taking care of these kids and balancing that and doing virtual school online and all these kinds of things. So especially in the first couple of weeks, it's so important to have friends, family that want to help you make meals, send it to you, bring it to your home so that you don't have to do the cooking. Just that little thing is so appreciated. And then back rubs are actually very good. So if your partner is home, 
it'd be really good to give you just that massaging that needs to be done. It actually will stimulate some of those nerves and everything to help with breastfeeding. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your baby as well as you can, but also produce the milk that you need. And to remember, there is no perfect way to breastfeed. There's no perfect way to parent. It's so important for us as moms to get that through our mind that each family is going to be their own family. You're going to find what works for you. The neighbor's going to find what works for them. And just to allow yourself time to learn this new technique, it's just important for you to be able to relax and love on your baby. I think a lot of times we have certain expectations of how we're going to act as a mother and what our decisions are. And some of that can come crashing down in the first few weeks. The mom that says, I'm not going to use a pacifier, finds herself desperate for three or four of them in three or four days. Being flexible is a good thing. Being forgiving. And definitely, I like to have moms not feel guilty for needing to take some time if they need to go out for a walk by themselves. If you, you know, so that's where you can use your support people, your family, like Donna was saying, to have people cooking meals for you. You know, a meal train is great. Something where you don't have to think about that, especially if you have other children. This isn't your, you know, your first child where you're only having to take care of one baby. If you've got other kids, it's, it gets a little more complicated. So having, having your spouse, um, a lot of times dads will want to know, well, I don't know what to do if she's breastfeeding. It's like, you can be transportation and baby holding. And, you know, because Babies, of course, don't always get the memo that when they're done feeding, they're going to go to sleep and see you in three hours. Some of them want to be held. And so that's where dads can actually come in and help for those kind of things. So, and then grandparents, it's really, really challenging right now in the time of COVID where we have, don't have necessarily the same support system that we've been used to being able to have access to. So sometimes the breastfeeding start isn't just quite as smooth as you expected and or there might be other glitches thrown in that you weren't anticipating. A stay in the NICU, the baby that's born a month early. Those are things that doesn't mean that the breastfeeding journey has to um, go off the rails and that's it, it's over. This is where you really, it's really beneficial to have somebody as a support person, you know, this is where lactation consultants can come in to kind of help a mom change the view of what that journey is going to be and to give her part of her journey it might be or it could be we had this rocky start and then we kind of things over the first few weeks slowly comes together and then they're off and running and you know you can end up having things turn around quite quickly. If a new mom has had a baby at Stafford or Mary Washington Hospital and she's in need of some lactation service support where can she go for help? When you come in to have your baby, we will, we get a list so we know which moms to see and we see every breastfeeding mom each day that they're here and we take a history, we consider what kind of medications mom might be on, we look at their birth experience and then we help with hands-on positioning and we do try to get a latch assessment or a latch check for each mom when she's here. So sometimes when our, we're coming in to see the mom, we do the, our education and teaching about the basics of breastfeeding, but the baby might not be ready to feed right then. So then we post our number on the, on the wall and then they can call us um, to have us come back to either help with latch or to assess how the baby's latch is. 
And that can be a make or break experience as far as, you know, making sure that you have the minimal amount of discomfort. A lot of moms will hear that breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. And then they hear from their friends, breastfeeding is agony. So somewhere in there is some truth probably to both sides. <laughs> no, I think sometimes breastfeeding is just uncomfortable at the beginning with latch on, just latch on soreness, we call it. That is very common, but pain, agony, bruising, bleeding, that's not common. So that's when, if you're a ter- type of person that you've heard that it's really horrible and you're just thinking that's normal, you're not seeking help. So it's going to be very beneficial to get the best latch with the help of the lactation support when you're here, because that sometimes will, will, it reduces pain. And pain can be one of the reasons that people give up because they feel like they can't keep going with it. We have lactation consultants who are there every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Now there are limited hours. We're not there 24 hours a day. But each day we have a lactation consultant who plans to and will see any mom who is breastfeeding to make sure that she's comfortable, to help assist or to encourage or whatever that really that couplet needs. So each day, sometimes it's one, two, three visits. Sometimes it's just one, but it really will be dependent on your situation. Well, when our moms go home, they are given a paper that has phone numbers on it to call, websites to go to, outpatient clinics, all that kind of stuff is written and given to her. So I tell her to pull that out and put it on her refrigerator because she's going to need that support. But we have Um, a phone number that they can call with breastfeeding questions. We have support groups every week. Right now, they're all virtual. And those are really helpful for moms just to be around other people who are dealing with the same sort of things. They can learn from each other, but also support each other. And then if our moms need to be seen by a lactation consultant, which is very, I would highly encourage you to even make one appointment just to see how things are going after you deliver. But we do have that at Mary Washington. And I'm going to let Val talk to you a little bit about the outpatient clinic. We have a warm line. We have a phone line that people can call with questions. And we generally are not sitting right by the phone. It's the reason we call it a warm line is because there's a voicemail. And then when we come in and we see the lights red, we call back. So we have that. We were doing outpatient visits here, but prior to COVID, currently we are not um, seeing people as outpatients here. So that may be return in the future, but there are lactation consultants that are um, certified and able to come to your home if you felt like you needed the extra support. And what does that, what happens with that is oftentimes people are concerned about how much the baby's getting or the latch. And those are things that you really, it would really be beneficial to have uh, an in-home visit so that you could have hands-on help. And then there's um, generally a scale for a weighted feed to verify that the baby's getting enough. Well, we also have um, online on the Stafford website, we have videos about breastfeeding now too, latching and positioning and 
um, some of the problems you might run into and can go back to the website after they've gone home and now they're really struggling with one specific thing, they can link into that and, and watch that too. If there's a mom on the fence about breastfeeding because she's heard some horror stories or she's scared of the pain or the time it's going to take or she really would prefer to have help in feeding the baby. So this mom is on the fence. What would you say to her to encourage her to give this a go? I would absolutely tell her to take it one day at a time, one feeding at a time. We will be there to help her as she goes through this. And she will be able to reach out to us once she goes home. If she has any desire to try to breastfeed, then to start out, the very first feeding is really very important to help the baby throughout the rest of breastfeeding. So start out and do it one feeding at a time. I've had one mom where it was her, and this was fairly recently, it was her fourth child and she had not breastfed. Her first, her middle two, the first one she struggled and gave up pretty quickly. And this one, I, it's funny because I often tell them, give yourself a few weeks. I understand what Donna's saying. You've got to take this in short goals, but give yourself sort of a three or four weeks or whatever, just to kind of give yourself the fight to get to that point. Because then I encourage moms, then you can kind of decide from a position of power instead of the craziness that's in the first couple of weeks. So this particular mom, she sent me an email two months into it and she said, guess who's still going? And at four months, she sent me a picture of her milk in the freezer. Guess who's still going? So I think she was so proud of herself and she was so thrilled that you know, her baby had these chubby little legs and she felt like she was a real part of it for her son. And I think she was so, I don't know, just kind of, she goes, I remember you telling me, get, don't quit on my worst day, get through the worst day and then keep trying. And then I can always decide tomorrow to stop. And in her case, it worked well for her. And I think sometimes if you give them permission to go, you can always stop. And so I think sometimes just giving permission that this is about you and your baby and your family. It's not about me, but sometimes it just takes the pressure away from them. They're not performing for me, but if this is something you think about, then it may be something that you've got to give yourself a short-term goal, and then you get to that, and then you can make a different decision if you need to, but it's hard to start back up. I thank you so much, ladies, for your time today. I think this was wonderful, and, um, and thank you so much. Thanks, it was Sarah. fun. For more information about lactation services at the Family Birthplace, visit mybaby.mwhc.com. I'm Karen Charney. This has been a production of Inside MWHC.